Hello and welcome back to the Let's Backflip Show Happy Hour Podcast Edition. I'm Ryan Fring, co-creative director here at Backflip and lord of the podcast, self-titled. Today is actually going to be really, really fun. Super stoked about this one. We're hanging with Eli Fema. He's the director of operations and Fema's maitre d'. Let's see if he has anything else in his title on, on this document that I read. Yeah. FEMA's MLS. Oh, I mean, that must be the name of the organization, but he's a major D, uh, just a pro schmoozer. And the first time we went to that restaurant, we got to experience Eli up close and personal. And it was, it was just a delight. He was, he was a lot of fun and we connected and he actually gave us the key to like a social club. Uh, he's like, Hey, you guys seem rad. I can't go out with you, but here, here's my key to the social club. Go hang out, drink on me. It'll be great. Um, and so that was, that was a blast. And we've gone back to FEMA's in Minneapolis so many times because of this and, and this experience and, and the food is just amazing. Like if you ever get it up there, go there. It's ridiculously good. It's cool. Last time we were there, there were some Timberwolves celebrating a birthday party upstairs. That's just like a common thing that happens. FEMA's is like a rad place. Uh, and a lot of people go there and I actually took my wife there. Not this past anniversary, but the a, a year ago, which is really, really fun. And for two, you know, for four, it's super affordable. So definitely check it out if you're in the area. And we're hanging out with Eli and he's a mover. So I think he has, he like runs and like disappears at one point during this. So don't worry. It's all good. It'll be, it'll be fun. So that's what we got coming up on episode 60 of the Let's Backflip Show Happy Hour podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go. Let's do it. No more. This is the end. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. This is a transition. Here we go. Do the thing. Hello and welcome back to another Backflip Happy Hour. I'm Ryan Fring, co-creative director here at Backflip. And joining me as always is co-creative director, John Shoemaker. Say hey, John. Hello. We're going to start at the top of the show with our drinks and there's never any pressure to drink. We like you to stay hydrated, but we are drinking alcohol right now. To celebrate the Siete de Mayo, uh, I have a, a margarita freshly made with freshly poured lime juice. What do you got? I have a uh, traditional Siete de Mayo drink of a, a red lager, Lady Luck from Carbon <laughs> 4. Uh, not freshly made. It was made many moons ago. So, but yeah, and it, if you are drinking with us, we are live. Let us know. Uh, it can be anything. I've also got some clarb here. I've got some sparkling water. Got to stay hydrated, right? So we're super excited. We'll bring him in today. We're hanging out with Eli Fema. What's happening, Eli? What's up, buddy? I got <laughs> some. Uh, I got some European brew. It's a Minnesota coffee company. And uh, I may or may have not put brandy in it, but um, trying nice. to keep up with you guys. Yeah, uh, you got to you got to manage it just right. <laughs> you know, I gotta ha I gotta get my juice in. Happy to be with you guys. Yeah, man. Thanks for showing up. Um, this this is a really fun one. I feel like we've never hung out before. I just come to your restaurant and see you and get so excited because you're you're fantastic at what you do. Um, but for those who don't know who you are, can you give us a little introduction? Yeah, uh, my name is Eli Fima. I'm general manager, uh, director of operations, major D at FEMA's Minneapolis. Our uh, company, Faces Minneapolis LLC, um, is 
the official uh, caterer for the Minnesota Timberwolves and Lynx. Um, we have a restaurant downtown here in Minneapolis. Uh, we have bakery accounts uh, at the Fillmore and the Hewing. And um, we're opening a few other locations. So we're a food and beverage company based out of Minneapolis, and I'm the director of operations. My dad, David Fima, is the chef and founder. Um, and we met a few weeks ago, Ryan, or about a month ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had a blast. And as you see, I uh, work the floors maitre d' by night and uh, operate by day. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic story. Uh, and I think it just speaks to kind of your personality how how great it was to meet you and be at the restaurant and have that experience because we were traveling <clears throat> with the Your Call MN campaign that we're working on and we do a lot of work in the the Twin Cities and Lola Red had given us a recommendation like oh we'll you know we'll get you guys the reservation you got to go here to FEMA's it's the best you know they'll take care of you and you know with with a encouragement like that like oh all right sounds great you know you never know what you're going to get but we walk in and the space is gorgeous it's kind of like uh how do you describe this style it's it's like kind of old-fashioned gangster or yeah so we're located in a 1930s art deco room uh the room originated in 1930 uh or 1914 actually as a sax theater uh it was the first uh cinema and Minneapolis, and it was uh, coined like one of the cinema gems of the country. And then that turned into the form cafeteria in the 30s. Uh, that lasted through the Great Depression, through the Prohibition, all the way to 1964. And then in 1964, a group of developers came into Minneapolis and wanted to tear down the building. And the city council got together and were like, no way. This, hmm. this is a beautiful room. Let's, let's, let's fight for it. So they contacted the store of registry of the United States and uh historic industry surveyed the building and uh, uh stamped it historic so in 1965 it became historic uh preservation um and they funded a 10 million dollar project where they took out every square foot of this restaurant uh stored in a warehouse demoed the building down and then uh and t- about 10 years later when an opportunity arose to replicate the room they replicated the room in the space that we're now in off hennepin the seventh so uh that, then it opened up as Scotty's Disco Club, uh, Wayne Gostkowski, um put in the Goodfellas uh, restaurant in 1990. So it's been it's been around for 90 years. Of those 90 years, it's been vacant, empty for about 30 of those 90 years. Um, uh, but if you if you ever come visit us, you'll see the beautiful Art Deco detail all throughout the restaurant. 25 foot ceilings, hanging chandeliers, all original from 1930. So, um, well, I mean, we're merely the caretakers of this room. And we'll pass it on when we're ready to give it up. Um, but uh, yeah, the, if the walls could talk, I'm sure they have a lot of stories. I mean, from the disco <laughs> days to the Goodfellow days to the cafeteria days, it's beautiful, actually, how they started. Um, well, this building in 1930 was the form cafeteria. And the whole point, the whole premise was to give lower class citizens a beautiful dining experience, a beautiful way to dine. So they would have like blue collar workers from the railroad in St. Anthony, Maine, here in Minneapolis, uh, come down on average, 2,200 people a day would come through these, uh, these walls and have, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner for five to 10 cents a meal. And they'd be in this ritzy great Gatsby vibe looking restaurant. So, uh, it was, it started off uh, as a cafeteria and that's, 
um, you know, it's part of our story to tell the story and to take care of it. Yeah. So, yeah. so we walk I mean, into that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I could, I could identify with that because I think to some extent you still give that kind of vibe, you know, like, um, obviously it was a, it's not a five to 10 cent, uh, meal anymore, but you know, like, I don't feel like a, like a somebody, <laughs> I just feel like, you know, we, we strolled up, we're looking for somewhere, somewhere nice for dinner. And, um, but man, like the vibe that you guys have there has that, like, this is something special kind of feel. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, yeah, I mean, that's a good point, especially with, you know, our philosophies when you have a room, that had, you know has draping chandeliers and mint green art deco walls and and it feels very fancy and so you know being located downtown where 70 percent of the traffic comes from you know arena sports and uh and um a theater we wanted to give a different approach to the room and 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 take away that stuffiness you know we're not playing frank sinatra 24 7 and and um edith piaf we're we're going more with these selection radio jazz beats and i tell my servers show your personality you know formal formal service but casual personality so we're not missing steps of service but uh you know uh the, the service is fancy but the personality is casual and i think that you know alleviates a lot of pressure off the guests when they walk in you know you can get a bag of french fries and old-fashioned sit at the bar and hang out and 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 not feel like you need to be you know dressing up to go to a restaurant and that's since we took that approach we've noticed a lot more volume actually you know a proliferated uh increase in our in our in our volume and our in our clientele so yeah what do you say there uh, formal service casual yeah I, I, my philosophy i think i'll carry this philosophy with any restaurant that i open uh, you know, formal service, casual personality. So, you know, you serve from the left, clear from the right, you, you know, present the wine, uh, like you would at a Thomas Keller restaurant or, or, or any five-star Michelin. But when you come to the table, it's not, you know, standing behind you with the arm in the back and, and, you know, how can I help you, sir? It's, it's, it's fun. It's casual, it's family style, you know, and that's, and that's really important. Um, uh, when we're trying to uh, uh, appeal to a wide variety of guests, you know, people come in, they see the chandeliers and they walk right out. And I don't like that. So, um, mm. you know, I got a Wu Tang tattoo for God's sake, man. Come on. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's for the children, baby. It's for everybody. For the kids, right? Yeah. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> I told it to, a, I told it to uh, this old lady the other night at the restaurant. She's like, oh, it's. Wu Tang, or she goes, Oh, what is that? An M from Minnesota? I said, No, it's a Wu Tang. It's not an M, it's a Wu Tang. She goes, What's Wu Tang? I said, It's for the children. She goes, Oh, you have children? It's for your children? I said, No, don't worry about it. Forget it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, They ain't nothing to yeah, mess with. Yeah. So, so we kind of we walk into this experience and uh, yeah, I think I was actually wearing this sweater because I was looking at pictures too of this sweatshirt. And just the, I don't know, kind of family, the, that, that casual interaction with the servers uh, was so endearing. And we sat down and you swung over and, you know, we're joking around with us and our server was 
just very gracious and joking with us and just everyone, you know, it's like, I feel like it's this, this mix that I haven't seen in too many places uh, where the service was just out of this world, but then you came out and talked to us and uh, talked to us about the food that was being brought out and just gave us this whole experience. And um, it was, it was definitely ridiculous enough in a good way that we came back like the following weekend. Cause right, I was like, it. We were drinking a lot and I was like, oh, we're totally coming back. And you're like, you're probably like that, that freaking guy's not coming back. But uh, it was my anniversary. And I told Monica, my wife, I was like, hey, we had this great experience up here at this restaurant. And there's some other places we should check out. And, you know, uh, Eli was just fantastic. And I don't know, we should go, go up there and do that experience. I want you to have that and meet them. And, and we ended up coming back, man. <laughs> I know. It was, it was great seeing you a second time. I think. You know, to your point, um, you know, I'm, I, 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 I work to get better every day at what I do, but there's definitely, there's definitely a lost art of what I do. You know, maitre d, how many maitre d's are left in Minneapolis, if any? Uh, you know, I started off as this Parisian, um, you know, Parisian occupation where in Paris, you know, subsequent to the French Revolution, you know, the, the, the food scene in Paris wasn't as, uh, the, the, the gastronomes started the food scene and after the French revolution and, and the 1800s, you know, wine and food connoisseurship started taking place and mid 1800s, you see these maitre d's start popping up in, in Paris and it's pretty much a glorified host, you know? Um, and so that became popular obviously through the 1800s, through the 1900s, Maitre D as this as this occupation in the restaurant industry where you know you cajole your guests, you know your guests by first and last name, you know what your guest likes to drink, what they don't like to drink, what where they like to sit, you know the name of all their dates if they brought in multiple throughout the week, and not to spill the beans on their dates. I mean, it's this really intimate relationship <laughs> with the guest that the Maitre D you know is obliged. Um, uh, to come into the restaurant every day and, and fulfill. So, but that's kind of a lost art, you know? And so when we opened FEMA's, I was like, I want to be a major D. I want to put on a suit and tie and I want to, you know, connect with my community and, and the guests and, and provide a place where people can come in and, and feel important. So, um, mm -hmm. I appreciate your, uh, I appreciate, you know, you rec you recognizing that the role that I play here and, and give it and, Giving my giving me my daps, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. There's that phrase, you know, in in business where the, you know they just kind of a one of those rule of thumb kind of cliche phrases that helps you come up with some way to do customer service. It's like treat every customer like they're your only customer, mm -hmm. and exactly. I think it's, it's really hard to do in practice. But like, if you can do it there's a there's a noted difference people people feel it and you know not to put you on the spot but i i think the question going through my mind especially while we were there was like are you able to like i mean maybe it just has to do with how many tables you see but like are you able to do that running around the whole place like <laughs> doing that for everyone or how does that because it i mean our experience my experience was like he was like hanging out with us the whole the whole night. I like I don't know yeah. how he could do anything else with anyone. <laughs> well, I, I yeah. love when I 
friends come in, you know, it gives me an opportunity to um, kind of loosen up the tie a little bit. But I don't, man, there's some maitre d's. This lady, you have to fact check, Marianne something. She's, uh, she died, uh, she passed away last year at like 102. And she was a maitre d for 70 years at a California restaurant and never missed a shift. Um, and I'm like, whoa, like, I mean, it's not for me, this, I'm just getting going in this industry. I mean, I'm 10 years in, I'm getting going and I don't know if it's sustainable, you know, because it's a lot of, I mean, it's genuine energy that I'm giving. And for me, that's energy is like a currency, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. I'm giving you my energy and hopefully you're giving it back to me, which you guys did, but not everybody does. And then I go home. My girlfriend wants to talk about my day. I just, <laughs> I just want to watch the Laker game and yeah. and just shut down. And I'm like, damn, I've all, team has only been up for three years. Like, how can I keep going about <laughs> this? So I've I've recently made some lifestyle changes. You know, drinking less, um, breathing more, drinking more tea. You know, I, I'm a runner, so getting back to my running schedule. I have to do things. I have to take that day. Like Sunday is usually my sacred day where I just shut down and give that energy back to myself because throughout the whole week, I'm constantly giving energy. Um, and so it is, a, it is a difficult task, you know, but I've got so much gas left in the tank, man. So yeah, to long way to your question is, is I, I, I I'm going to do it. And I can do it. I mean, tonight I have 150, 200 guests coming through the doors and, and uh, I'm going to give everybody my energy and, 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 hopefully they'll give it back to me and then it, it's a recycle. So it's all, you know, if I can recycle that energy and give it to you and give it back to me, then it's, you know, I didn't lose any energy, but it's just those guests that come in and you give them the energy and then you think everything is good. And then they go write a one star review on you. So <laughs> that's when, that's when it's tough, but that's the industry. And that's what I got myself into. And, and, but it's a lifestyle, you know, it's not, it's not just to make a buck, you know, it's, it's what I love to do. It's like I said, I keep saying currency. It's these experiences that I can curate for someone or a group of people on their special day or just whatever. That's my type of currency. You know, at the end of the day, when I die and, uh, you know, the money, the money, you know, gets passed on my kid, whatever. What my, the real currency is how many, how many experiences that I curate and how many people did I make happy during my lifetime? And that's every day they'll stack upon each other. That's my, that's, that's real wealth. You know what I mean? You being so, you know, inspired by your experience at FEMA's, you'll never forget that, Ryan. And, mm-hmm. and that to me is currency. That to me is, is what keeps me going. You know what I mean? Like, so that currency, that wealth that builds up over time. And I can only imagine a life of fulfillment uh, through the years. So. Yeah. I, I'm super curious with that too. Would you call yourself an extrovert or an introvert? You extrovert, know, like when but you yeah, are for sure yeah. an extrovert. Um, but you know, I'm about to have a baby. I got a girl, <laughs> a girlfriend I'm going to propose to. I'm starting to feel the homebody Eli creep up on me. <laughs> you know, like I used to go out, like, you know, I was about to go out with you guys that one night to brick and mortar. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I curved you. I was like, I got to go home. You know, I probably made some, some BS excuse like Daphne's, uh, She's going through contraction. She wasn't going through anything. She was fine. I just yeah. wanted to go home. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah. I think it was like she has class in the morning, and you got to yes, help her study. Yeah, yeah. And where, like, we were, 
<laughs> there's three of us there, John and and Rob and I, who are who are married and have families, and like all you say is like, "Yep, I'm I'm there for the spouse or you know the other." I'm like, "Okay, that sounds good." Right. You know? But you st- right. you still hooked us up that night with uh, that was you guys have fun. Your, your, oh, we did. It was it was fantastic. I think there was like two younger folk. Yeah, I'm so old. Uh, <laughs> so I. I Towards the end of the night, I was like, hey, let's see what Eli's doing. Maybe he wants to come hang out. He seems like a really cool dude. Um, and he gave us his very acceptable excuse. That's always acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, you guys could go have a good time. Like, I can get you into this like social club, but that, you know, uh, in this building and it's got a great view and a great facility and everything. We're like, holy cow. All right. So he hooked us up and we went there and that was awesome. Like, we basically had the place to ourselves because, covid uh but uh we just hung out we watched what do we watch we watched <laughs> something on the big screen we figured out the com- there's like a big manual to like make oh, the electronics yeah, yeah. work yeah we figured out the electronics we got the tv going uh and just chilled for i don't know another hour or something before rob's like all right i'm out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah it's, it's, it's kind of like uh so zach sussman and um uh blake barrett's are the owners of that blake barrett's owns ifa which is a um, sports agency uh his main uh his main athlete is adam Thielen. are you first of all are you a packers fan you're madison aren't you yeah yeah okay, definitely I'm, I'm about to leave this podcast all right Five, <laughs> four, okay. uh, so adam Thielen is one of his is uh one of his uh athletes and so he and then he's about he bought the building he's like all right i'm just gonna throw a social club uh, on the on the third and fourth story of the of the agency that's below, uh, so yeah, it's really cool. Those guys are awesome. Zach uh, owns a paper company and a digital marketing company. But next time we're in town, I have to introduce you to those two uh, cats too. They're awesome. Yeah, dude, that'd be that'd be great. Um, we are coming up. Uh, let's see, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We're working with a group called uh, Men's Breaking Free, and they work with men on let's see, restorative justice approach to working with men who have been arrested for attempting to purchase sex from another human being. No. So it's in association with that Your Call Minnesota public awareness campaign. Mm-hmm. We're doing some work with them. So we're talking to like a former pimp. We're talking to some former buyers. Like wow. it's, it's going to be nuts. But hopefully, wow. again, we can tell some of those stories and like people, you know, it, it helps people open their eyes a little bit. Exactly. I mean, like, you know, I, I spoke on how... I'm giving energy as a major D, you know, how about you? Like you're, you're constantly, you know, digging into these really traumatic and somewhat horrifying stories and, uh, of, of human trafficking of, of abuse. And then you go home at night. How, how do you like get alleviation? Yeah. I'll, John, you go first. I, I've got a lot of thoughts, but. Yeah, I mean, so I, I can identify with what you're, what you were saying before. So my personality has always been, you know, everyone who's known known me has known me as an extra extrovert, but I feel myself like sort of splitting that, splitting my direction in that to, uh, you know, when I was younger, like it just seemed like it was endless energy for that. I still have a tendency to that, 
But yeah, then in the off times where I'm sort of off and I'm back home, it's like, I don't really want to do another thing. I find myself, even though it sounds kind of sad and lame, I find myself like not looking for more people to get together with and hang out with. You know, you're like, right. I, think I, I think I did a lot of that. Um, but yeah, with, uh, with the heavy and hard stuff, I think it's just trying to keep it. I mean, this is like a bigger, uh, bigger philosophy that I really haven't, you know, thought about or hadn't, hadn't practiced for this discussion, but it's trying to keep it focused on like the person in front of you, because you can really get overwhelmed by the size of these problems, the size of these things, but you can be present to the person in front of you who's telling you this story about what they came through and whatever. And that's really inspiring, even if it's hard and heavy. And then when you get home in the evening and with your family, like, you know, it's not, it's not, not being true to the concept uh, or to the problem to allow yourself time to not think about it. Like mm -hmm. allow yourself to like set it aside now I got to be present to them. Like got my kids here and we're reading books and it's time for them to go to bed. So like we do that and whatever. And you might have those waves of times where those like the heaviness of what you were working on, maybe kind of pop back into your mind and that's okay to acknowledge, but like, it's not, you're not, you know, doing it any services by uh, living in that constantly mentally otherwise you'll just break yourself down and then you won't be of any use to anyone so it's it's good to like set it aside replenish your energy um bring it to you know whether it's meditation or prayer or something where you can kind of like reset refocus you know however it is that you tackle that um i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah no i I feel like it's it's a similar thing and it's interesting and I, I might be a little different. So I don't know how empathetic you guys naturally are, but I have to work real hard on empathy uh, and I can definitely be empathetic, but it's not my first response. My first response is kind of maybe your stereotypical male. How do, how do I fix it? So when I hear something, I'm like, okay, that, that story sounds really crazy. How do we prevent that from happening in the future? You know, what can I do? So there's a lot of that, but you know, any of this content that we're working on is going to creep in to your mind um, just because you know we're people. And so I think I think for me, there's you know there's kind of that surgeon style separation that you have to do in order to get through. And you know, you plan a lot, you figure it out, you work towards something that can heal and help. And through that, you're able to overcome maybe some of the uh, difficult feelings uh, when you hear these stories of, you know, like a, I can't remember a toddler running and three or four years old or whatever, and like having been raped, right? Uh, like that, that just is messed up. But it's interesting because like I can get into kind of an emotional space where that affects me. But it doesn't affect me necessarily as much as my four-year-old. She actually hopped on the back of one of our vans like a year ago. My wife pulled out 
and didn't know she was on the van and she drove like a mile and a half with our oh my God. at the time three-year-old hanging on you know to the back Jeez. of the van and she only got up to like 40 miles an hour but yeah that would be a severe injury if it didn't kill her if she fell off and like that mentally traumatizes me like i can't think about that um but for instance like with this with all this um kind of the, the prostitution and sex uh trafficking it's not as close to home because i haven't experienced it so there is some emotional separation even though it can impact me i can work on projects like uh how can we tell this story of this is kind of a new creative concept that i was working on with the group uh, on wednesday but like let's tell a story where it looks like an ordinary kid and an ordinary kid goes to school and an ordinary kid comes home and they're doing their multiplication and then they play a little bit or they do something and then eight o'clock rolls around and they're being prostituted and then they go through that experience for several hours and then they got to wake back up in the morning and go to school and no one has any idea and we have no idea and I, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm able to get in that headspace because I don't have necessarily a closeness and I have maybe that empathy capability, like a little more separation on the empathy. Um, but that's, I guess that's my long winded answer of saying, you know, how I deal with it. And then like when we travel, like we go hang out at, you know, FEMA's and we, live laugh love together right so we share something awesome together because it, it it's it is just hard and you hear these stories and at the end of it we don't want to just not talk about it so we go and we joke with each other and we you know eat good food and we try to find music or you know we try to do those things that can lift your soul together and it you know it might seem weird and maybe that's a, the same thing with like a uh surgeon or a doctor where they deal with crazy stuff and then at the end of the day they you know they can go and laugh and i think that's right. a part of the process that we've learned as well through mm -hmm. all this absolutely well, well I, 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 gotta, go you, you know you that you back to your story about like you know that you have to keep pouring energy out so like it's not it's not a bad thing to like go find ways to refill yourself you're not like, because I think people get this tendency to feel like because there's bad things going on in the world, that if I go have joy somewhere, I'm not paying attention to that. But actually, like, I'm doing more of a service to the people that I'm taking care of by making sure that I'm like refilling the tank, you know, right. and then you come back for another day. Exactly. Exactly. The disengage is is, is is crucial. It's crucial. Yeah, I was thinking too. Um, That's that right throw that up, John. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> this this right here. This is how Ryan. <laughs> this is how oh, Ryan re uh, re energizes. <laughs> That's that was a little picture I snapped of him at the uh, social at, club at the break. <laughs> <laughs> here, let's let's it. see. <laughs> we'll recreate that live on air. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you guys, I give you a bottle of scotch, the Nair or uh, Pierre Franc. Cognac. The we cognac, had some cognac, yeah. yeah. 
that's yeah. my favorite one the pierre front it's uh oh phylloxera wiped out this um the pierre front estate in the 1800s and uh they never were able to replant and replicate this pierre front and so uh they went to the lab and and made the grapes and made and replicated Pierre Front almost like a century later. And they came out with, uh, in 1999, this new Pierre Front. So, uh, Dude, that's, that's nuts. <laughs> Say it again? I said, that's nuts. Yeah, it's awesome. Pierre Front, P-I-E-R-R-E-F-R-A-N-D, Pierre Front. So if you're a cognac drinker and you're listening, that's the, that's the one. It's really affordable too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something that that's really fun about you as well. <clears throat> You're just depth of knowledge in these areas, kind kind of combined with your outgoing nature. Because it seems like maybe you'd have one like you could have this depth of knowledge, and then you'd be super awkward to be around. But you're like, ah, oh, you know, they got a great depth of knowledge. But like, you know, when we were there, I was like, are we getting, you know, super special treatment? And I certainly felt that way. But then also I saw you like going to other tables and hanging out. And I was like, dude, like, yeah, this is, a, well, this I, is a good place. I, you know, it's knowledge needs to be shared. And I didn't, I was not studious at all. I mean, I, I, uh, barely, and I barely got by in high school and, um, I went to a year and a half, uh, of school at Augsburg college, private school here in Minneapolis. And then I, then I moved to Israel um, but everything I, most of what I've learned, I tell people everything I didn't learn in the classroom, I learned in pre-shift, you know, I learned from, you know, my father and other, other mentors in the industry. So, um, I love, I love sharing that knowledge. Yeah, it turns out, or it sounds like, uh, so this is my, my good friend, Carolyn. I, I threw up that other comment earlier. Uh, let's see. I was literally live texting my entire dining experiences both weekends that's true uh and then she said they've got the cognac at total wine so oh yeah that makes me really excited that was good yeah i won't have to you can go get yourself i won't charge you the, the five percent <laughs> this time yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah you, you i loved what were you talking about way earlier about kind of that emotional currency um Scott, one of our partners, talks about that emotional currency. Uh, you know, you have so much to give, but you got to recharge. And when other people give it back, it's it's almost like it's uh, non-draining or, or it's at least not as draining when other people are giving it back. But yeah, how do you how do you recharge? Do you do you you said you run? Yeah, you read like do you just kind of huddle in a corner and and pretty much think, okay, I'm going to talk to a thousand people tonight. <laughs> you know. Uh I grind all week and then Sunday I, I don't do anything. I like, that's my recharge. I think that's enough for me. I mean, that's right now. I mean, it's going to, it's going to keep changing. It's going to be dynamic as my life changes and I have a baby here, but, um, uh, Sunday I wake up, I go for a run and then I just cheat meal all day and nice. watch these and, and open a bottle of wine, uh, hang out with Daphne. And so disengaging, I turn off my phone and so really just completely disengaging for 24 hours. Don't answer any texts. And uh, it's hard to do, but then uh, it's, it's really beneficial. Because then I wake up Monday morning, I'm like, oh, I'm a little behind. Like, you know, I have all these texts to get to. I didn't work for a whole day. 
all right, so then I feel like I'm back against the wall to start the week, and I kind of like that. I kind of like being under, mm-hmm. you know, distress a little bit. Like Kobe in the in the fourth quarter, you know, on baseline jumper fadeaway. I, I, I thrive for the moments where I'm under distress or I'm a little bit behind to start the week, okay? So then I grind really hard on Monday, and then my, I get off to a good start instead of, like, you know what I mean? So taking yeah, that one yeah. day off kind of, you know, because as, as a business owner, you don't get a day off. You, you know, mm-hmm. and you're not entitled to a day off. And, um, and, but I give myself a day off. And so if I give myself a day off, you know, I'm, I have, then I wake up the Monday morning and I have 50 emails I got to reply to. So then I know right. that I'm a little behind and let's go, let's get it going. But, yeah. you know, um, coming in a little bit later on, on these types of days where I wake up, go for my run, drink a cup of coffee and, uh, um, and then I get to work, but I don't, I don't overexert myself, which is key in this industry. It's, it's, you know, and you don't, and I don't drink, a, drink every day either, which is, is tough in this industry. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. um, all, you know, dealing with the asshole at table 12, excuse my language. Now I want to go upstairs to the upstairs bar and slam some Pierre Fron because I just can't stand this asshole. <laughs> I mean, they're all over. What table was Ryan at? He was at table 12. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was he was that guy <laughs> it, was, it was fantastic though you kept running away and you you were more fun every time you came back <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know because i'm going to the bar yeah. you know? exactly um, yeah, yeah um yeah i mean there's a stigma that you know all the chefs and and waiters and bartenders and you know the, everyone has their their vices when it comes to alcohol and and, and drugs in this industry. And so it's really key for longevity. I think to anybody who's, you know, wants to be in this industry for a long time and be successful at it to shy away from drugs and alcohol. Um, you have to, I mean, mm-hmm. otherwise you get burnt out. Um, not only dealing with people and, you know, copious amounts of, you know, the glut, the gluttony of food and drinks and people, it's just like, it's, it comes too much. And so I see some chefs and waitresses and waiters burn out. And, and I, and I look I look towards my dad for that. I mean, my dad, he's, he's 61 years, 60 years old. He's never smoked in his life, never smoked a joint. Um, and he drinks maybe once a month. Um, not saying that's, that's, you know, my way about it. I like my glass of wine at the end of the night, but definitely got to watch, you know, the habits and the vices when you're working in this industry because it's so easy and it's so enabling, you know, because... Mm-hmm. When you take care of people, it can be draining, like I said. And what do you turn to that's the easiest? A glass of wine or beer or a shot because it's it's alleviating you from uh, the pressure of this industry. So it's really key, really vital to to shy away from uh, drugs and alcohol uh, if you want a long career. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, the eating the chefs. One of, some, one of my favorite chefs, I won't say his name, you know, he's, he's 10 years sober. Um, but um yeah it's it's a it's a it's a thing in our industry and so and so that's one of my that's always on my mind every day you know to pace yourself pace yourself fema yeah well i feel like too you know as a as a father too and and soon you'll have another person you're taking care of uh in a very tactile way there can be an overwhelmingness to it. Uh, I think we mentioned this before, like I have six, where's John? John has five. Um, 
but even even one like kids that, you guys have six and five yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh amazing um <laughs> you know one kid also takes up all your time and if you're coming home from work and your head is spinning because you've given so much energy you got to figure out how to stop the spinning and give more energy and mm -hmm. i've certainly gone through phases too where it's like yeah give me a big old stiff drink and i'll be ready for it and you know started to balloon out and then i'm like ah i don't think i want that to keep going mm -hmm. so <laughs> let's let's figure something else out and you know i i jumped kind of on the the fitness bandwagon and have been doing that a lot and that's helped a lot with a lot of things sleeping and just overall energy and then it's still like the head spinning there's 20 things that i still need to do and help other people with you know emails and texts are still coming in so how do i figure out how to transition you mm -hmm. know and that's that's key like certainly alcohol transitions your mind but how do we do that without it uh and, and to be clear i'll go home and hang out and then drink as well but mm -hmm. for me i'm trying to i i've been trying not to go home and then have a drink because i want to get through that through other means you know whether it's just calming myself on the way home or just turning off the phone as soon as i get home and saying i can't work on anything for three hours and then i'll mm -hmm. get back to work you know just there's kind of kind of a couple different ways that I've been using to to do that, but I but I totally hear what you're saying. Uh, well, there's a there's a difference in life to enjoying things. I mean, everybody's heard the phrase in moderation. So, like, enjoying things versus like starting to use things as a crutch or a, or a tool. You know, like mm -hmm. like we can enjoy you know to just bring it down to something like easier and less like life ruining for most people you know like dessert or whatever like yeah that piece of you know cheesecake is really good like i don't need to eat the whole thing you know <laughs> like the whole cake like the one piece is is probably good and i can enjoy that um but if i yeah if i'm starting to like you know, breathe heavy, heavy every time I'm walking up some stairs because of my cheesecake habit. Like maybe I need to, you know, like, so it's like, cause you know, people can, now there's some things that are probably worth just not, not uh, touching <laughs> um, plenty of things certainly worth not, you know, just avoiding completely, but a lot of things like you can enjoy, but once you start needing it, like, okay, I'm depending on it. Um, again, less, less of a life ruiner, but, you know, coffee, like most people, um, most Americans, you know, have like a extremely heavy coffee, uh, addiction. And we've all, you know, in our office, like talked about, I had years where, you know, we'll go off of it for a little longer or whatever, but like, it's enjoyable to have a really good cup. It's like less enjoyable if you like need it to do anything um because then it's just like yeah you're what are you getting out of it? you're not getting the enjoyment anymore it's just like i need this or i can't like live my life yeah i mean have you ever had a cup of coffee after not having a cup of coffee for like four or five days man that you <laughs> that works much better every time yeah, i mm -hmm. think about it i'm always like it's always going to be there you know you know 
Like everything is always, it's always going to be there. Cheeseburger, it's always going to be there. Coffee is always going to be there. You know, you can enjoy it later. You don't have to enjoy it every, every day, all the time, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and that's our philosophy with food and stuff too. You know, my dad, you know, being um, the head chef uh, for the Timberwolves and Lynx and, you know, working closely in the sports nutrition program with the Mayo Clinic. And, you know, you, you have these philosophies and, and, and food and diet that, you know, high protein and, and, um, uh, rice and veggies, six meals a day, keeping the metabolism going, blah, 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 which is great and can work for some people. But, you know, our philosophy is more like, uh, you know, um, a higher carb diet, high protein, um, and, you know, enjoying things in moderation, like that cheeseburger, but make sure your, your beef is grass fed or, or, you know, you know where you're, how the cow is being grown and make sure that bun, uh, is, is, um, uh, using starter dough or, um, uh, unbleached flour and make sure mm-hmm. your cheese is, you know, so just getting natural products and good products in and, and making sure what you're putting in your body, you know, where it's coming from. And, um, you know, it's interesting because every, everywhere around the world, we're different. I mean, in Sardinia, which is one of the blue zones, you know, blue zones are, uh, hot spots around the world where people are living past a hundred years old because of their diet and have these really healthy populations and sardina they have like uh which is just right off the coast of italy i mean they eat they have an, like a 70 percent carb diet like and here in america we're like oh it's high protein low carb but over there they're living to 110 years old and they're eating bread all day so you know <laughs> what is it for everyone's body's different every, everywhere you go to so you know, finding that finding that balance uh, early on can really help. And you know, we all have we all have our um, our, our our vices and food. But mm-hmm. I'm currently trying. I'm currently training for this marathon, so I've been doing a lot of carbs. You know, um, which helps me run. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> and with with that food and the diet, it's fascinating as well because I think what we find too in those specific areas of the world is kind of like you said, like, uh, like, like a sourdough as opposed to a super processed white bread mm. or, you know, just more, um, natural, less processed, less, uh, um, high fructose corn syrup and things like that. And then when you get there, you, you can eat more carbs when it's not all the junk that's getting stuck in your body and right. not doing well, you know, right. not, not really giving you the n- nutrients you need. Uh, and I think that's what we find in a, in a lot of those places is, yeah, it's, it's also got yeast, which can help with, uh, gut health. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's those other elements that if you were to just take that and be like, I'm going to eat tons of bread and you didn't really think about the bread that you ate, you could, exactly. you know, exactly do some harm to yourself. Well, I, I've thought a little bit about that too, just because of the, and it's funny because yeah, like the the certain diets and health trends, like I don't think it would be accurate to call most of those like unhealthy because in general, the overall benefit is that they're healthy for people. But but there's there tends to be these like all or nothing sort of trends, like you said, where it's just like, oh, carbs are evil, everything. And I was talking to my wife about that, like over the last year maybe a little bit more, I've been making a lot, a lot more homemade bread at home. 
because she's been avoiding dairy because of our youngest who can't, you know, do dairy very well. And through nursing, she gets enough that it's not good for her. So I've been making it so I can control the ingredients in it. And I just keep thinking to myself, I'm like, like all these people throughout history, like their diet, they didn't have like any money. And so their diet was like bread. <laughs> and then you could get like a little bit of meat maybe. And then if you're really lucky or in the right season, you could get some vegetables. I'm like, that can't be the equation. It can't just be like no bread ever, never. And it probably again gets to the, either, either it's the processing or it's the fact that like, I mean, carbs aren't great if you're frying them in like oil all the time. So like if we're talking bread that's deep fried, like maybe that's, you know. And since you uh, brought up the word oil, you know, I love sharing this uh, piece of knowledge with people. And this is, I think, this is not subjective. This is, this is plain fact. So most people, including myself, prior to knowing this, cook with olive oil. Okay, olive oil has a smoking point of around 140 to 160. Okay, so if you're cooking with olive oil, uh, at, what happens when the smoke you reach when you go over the smoking point uh, of any type of oil? Well, become that oil becomes toxic. Um, so olive oil really, uh, especially Medi I mean the Mediterranean diet really exploded it exploited this, um, but olive oil really is not something to cook with. Olive oil is um, something that you uh, want to garnish with, right? So in a salad, over drizzle over your toast, over your eggs, or slow cook, you know, on your on your pan, really low heat. You want to make some eggs really low heat, but the that's okay. But rice bran oil is probably your your second is your first op best option, other than, um, uh, I mean, people will say whatever they want about canola oil and vegetable oil. Um, I, I, I cook with vegetable oil, but, uh, if you can find it, rice bran oil, um, that is so great has a, has a smoking point of like 200 <laughs> something. So you can crank up, you can saute, caramelize, reduce, you can do anything with rice bran oil without it becoming toxic. Um, and so, you know, I, we, we talked, we talked to our staff about that and everyone's like, what I cook with, I've been cooking with all of my whole life. I'm like, well. I would recommend changing it because it does become toxic and release toxins in your body. Um, mm -hmm. So rice bran oil is, is what we use in our restaurants. Um, what we've been using for almost two decades, we get it um, from U.S. foods. You, you can order, you can get it, probably have to look online for it. Otherwise, maybe at like a Whole Foods, you can find it. Mm -hmm. um, um, but yeah, so uh, one, look at your smoking points. Uh, and all the oils you buy, make sure you're not exceeding those smoking points because that that at that point your oil becomes toxic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have heard that about the olive oil, mm -hmm. and I think we use a lot more. Um, was it avocado oil? I, that might just be a hip hip millennial trend, but more avocado oil, uh, some coconut oil as well. I'll have to what look I, those up. What I love about rice bran oil, it's a it's a flavor neutral. So, I mean, I love avocado oil, I love coconut oil. Those are great. They're healthy for you. Um, but they do, they will um, have some, they will add a flavor to your dish. So, you know, mm -hmm. uh, what I like about rice bran oil is it's flavor neutral. There's a little bit of nuttiness to it, but I, I like, you know, it can really go well with anything, especially mm -hmm. the eggs. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Yeah. So one thing I was just thinking too, getting back to kind of the, the world health type of idea. And John, you mentioned the simple diets that people used to have. Um, fasting is fascinating and, you know, different types of fasting. You got to figure out if it's right for you and there's lots of different versions of it. But that's one thing that humans have been doing for as long as there's been humans in that we get get food and we eat it when we have it. And then there's long, long periods, you know, days when we don't have food and our body ha- ha- bodies have adapted to that such that it can be very good on a lot of different fronts to do regular fasting. Um, I, I forget the scientific term of it, but there's kind of the idea that your body needs to renew itself, right? Uh, rebuilding cells and healing the areas of the body that have been damaged, whether it's muscle, skin, or uh, any of your cardiovascular system. Well, that takes energy. And if you've always got food running through you, that's going to use a portion of your energy. So by fasting, you get that energy back. Oh, we lost him. I'll keep <laughs> going though. You get, a, you get you know a portion of that energy back and that can be to renewing your body and what they're finding. And they have uh, very specific studies with mice that fasting can increase the li- your lifespan by a v- significant amount. Like, I, I, again, I don't uh, have the science handy, but it was insane when I, when I read that. And now it's, it's a popular thing. Um, but I think it's a popular thing that is very helpful for people and helps people be disciplined because I know I do it. Uh, I know you do it. And mm-hmm. I think people getting into that discipline, like food discipline, whatever it is, it could be intermittent fasting. It could be, I'm only going to eat these types of foods. And then on this day, I'm going to eat this other type of food. Um, I think that discipline really helps teach us to sacrifice for, for the better health. And then it's a hop, skip and a jump to do any other type of food or fitness discipline that you want. Yeah. It's funny because the theme that I am feeling is like, and it's not always true. It's not always true to say that, you know, the good old days were better. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's certainly not always true. Um, but there's a lot of things that, you know, it's funny to discover that they work out better when you go back to more simple things, you know, like why were people fasting? Cause we didn't, you didn't have as much money, you know? And so you didn't, or if you're going even further back to hunter gatherer, like you're fasting cause you hadn't found the food yet. And then you were finding right. it. And then what were you eating? Well, you were eating things that were either raw foods or, um, whole foods. Um, and then even once we started cooking more, like there's still basic ingredients and less like, you know, uh, large manufacturing uh, operations. And all of that, this is just a, this is more of a tangent that, you know, I'm connecting, but all of that requires more time. So then how do you get that time to return to that? Well, it's by cutting out some distraction cutting out some of the like TV or, you know, video games or cell phone use. Um, 
or saving some time by not like overworking as much, you know, at work. Uh, there, there's just like all these things that are connected that like boil down mm -hmm. to like the most healthy things that you could be doing in life. Like, because if you're, if your barrier to eating better by like cooking your own food is that you don't have time, well, then you mm -hmm. have to address the reasons that you don't have time. And if you start mm -hmm. figuring those out, it's like, okay, well, that's actually better for you too, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, one of those things you said, like returning to a better time, it's interesting because it, I love that it's like a food trend, like, Ooh, natural, just cut up a vegetable and eat the vegetable. You're like, well, yeah, duh. But there's still a nostalgic of like, Oh, the fifties, like people were wholesome and kids were safe. They could play outside without be, being taken in vans. But uh, first off, that's not really true. Second off, you know, pre 50 years ago, your likelihood of dying from a simple infection is super high. Yeah. Um, you know, like our medical advancements in the last hundred years are insane. Your survivability is insane. Now, science has also given us plastics, which uh, I was listening to a podcast today are getting into our food and causing men to have smaller body parts not penises, uh, what is it? it? The gooch or the taint, which is like a measurement uh, between your butt and, and your other parts. And like that is a signifier of lower sperm count and lower fertility. And fertility is like reduced like 50%, I think they were saying, based on the prominent use of plastics post-World War II. And the science is like, don't, you know, eat stuff, don't microwave stuff in plastics, even if it says it's safe. Things that are pushed through plastics like milk. Also, this is not me uh, tinfoil hatting. There's about 20 years of scientific research and they're on this, they're on the Joe Rogan podcast. I forget the doctor's name because it's like people just don't know. So we're trying to get the word out. Um, that plastics are having a negative effect. Now, they, what they have studied is like, after three generations, that effect goes away. So like the human resiliency is like nuts, um, pun intended. But <laughs> yeah, returning, return, you know, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't want to live in a past time unless it was like, I don't know, 5,000 years ago or when Jesus was around just because it's cool time. Um, I wouldn't want to live 60 years ago. I wouldn't want to live 100 years ago because the medical advances mean I'm not going to die from an infection of my foot. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, we, <laughs> Carolyn's just lots of ha-ha's. We definitely went in a direction there. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're, yeah. We're all adults here. This is probably, I, I feel bad that, that Eli is missing this because mm. th this is probably for another discussion, another time. Um, <clears throat> Uh, as I say the statement, it will make a statement that I'm trying not to make, but it's unavoidable. I'm not saying that I've become a prepper. <laughs> that sounds like something a prepper would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, you know, it's, it's more fun topics to talk about and share. Um, but, you know, I think the lockdowns of COVID and things like that. I just got everybody sort of thinking about like, 
how they're living their life and what they're doing. And then what would you do? This is the side of it. What would you do if certain things took place? If, if certain emergencies took place, if, you know, like if you weren't able to access the grocery store in the way that you are used to, mm-hmm. and that chain of thought has been very entertaining and interesting to me to sort of like, like learn more about that because it's fascinating, you know, this is related to food, but it gets beyond it. Like I think a lot about how, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? How incompetent we all are in comparison to like previous generations. I'm like, if, if we don't have these things, like, our grandparents' generation, probably most of them could do it. They probably, <clears throat> most of them probably knew how to get food, make mm-hmm. their, you know, in some way. Maybe they would have been less successful and some would be more. But Find in general, water. yeah. Or like, how do you preserve things without like refrigeration? <laughs> well, if, if you grew up in a time when you didn't have it, you would know those skills. Now, yes, there's been advances medically that are good for us since that time. Like you said, you kind of like, well, I'm not saying that I want to go back to that time, but there's like a loss of skills and a loss of like Mm -hmm. way of life that, that we've, we've lost um, or we've experienced the loss. Right. 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 And and yeah. Yeah. It's just that that's been interesting to me to kind of like learn some of that stuff and, I, I love that we're going here. <laughs> I hope people enjoy listening to it and, until uh, Eli comes back. I'm sure his phone died. That's probably what happened. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So talking about prepping and Trent Horn, um, apologist at CatholicAnswers.com, talked about grid down. Like that's the thing he's most afraid of is is like when the electric grid goes down, because when that happens you're going to lose your water, you're going to lose your heat. And, you know, that basically cascades down to everything. But the biggest thing is like water, mm-hmm. right? You're in the city. How do you get water? So, I mean, I, I'm fairly, I, I watch a lot of shows and I feel like I'm fairly handy and I'm like, I know what you could do. I don't know if I'd be able to do it, but like you mm-hmm. need water daily or you could go a a day or two without water not many days you can go weeks without food like we could solve the food problem but that water problem i I don't know like that that's the one thing where where i want to prep and like just get okay we've got a couple you know things of water and i've got those super straws (laughs) (laughs) yeah the rule of threes three minutes without air three days without water three weeks without food. I like Um, it. Rule of threes. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what, you know, at the end of each of those, you're done basically. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and actually I, I don't know for sure whether it's like electronic, if you're in city or if you're in the city and there's a water tower, you might be all right. Cause that's gravity fed. That's like giving the pressure to the to the systems but that was one of the things i was thinking but about that, that'll run out in a day right because i, I think that know. happened that happened in texas so when okay. they ran out of power 
water ran out after a couple of days because gotcha. once all that's gone, they can't pump it back up. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure. You know, I, I haven't known what is that, how much is that supply? I guess sure. that, that, I guess that, ex, you know, is the answer is one or Rule two threes. days, you know? <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I thought about that because we, we live out in the country and we have a well. It's like, oh, that's great. Except that we're dependent on power to pump water up from the well, um, you know, to, to get into our house. So, yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll have to do an episode or a, or a or a special podcast or a blog article on some of the just random projects. I, I mean, partly they were just things that I did to like entertain myself and keep busy while I was at home all summer, you know, with the kids, with everything shut down. But um, I put in a pump, a pump well, uh, a manual or, pump. Yeah, just like a you know old red cast iron you know, garden pump kind of thing. That's awesome. Um, but I, you know, the process of going through that, figuring that out, how, how to do that. Um, we have a wood stove in the back. So it's funny because you mentioned some of those items. I'm like, I've thought about, I've thought about water, thought about heat. Like I got those covered. Yeah. <laughs> Food is a harder one. But you got three weeks to figure it out. You have ammo and That's guns. True. That's true. So. Which, you but, know, was getting in short supply when everybody was getting worried. It's still in short supply. When I was at yeah. the, where was it? Walmart's. I was at the Walmart's last week, and I don't. I don't even know why they use those shelves anymore. There's like one case of some random ammo that I'm like, I don't even know what that goes in, <laughs> and there's it's completely empty. Like you're not going to get an ammo supply back. Just go ahead and fill that up with Cheetos and Doritos and things. <laughs> They're just show, it's just showing you the uh, the sad state of things. So this is fun. Uh, tell me, like, what was your experience while we're waiting? I think I think we'll get Eli back uh, in the next twenty minutes. But what what was your experience when we were up there? Up in Minneapolis. Yeah. My experience at the restaurant or at, at FEMA's. Yeah. 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 I mean, kind of a little bit about what I was saying before. And I, I don't know if it was because of like, you know, shoot days or long days. Um, you know, you kind of pour out your energy, like he was saying all day long. And yeah. then, you know, a meal, just food is like the one thing on your mind in the evening. Mm -hmm. Um, and we always try to find an, a decent place, a nice restaurant or something. Um, so I don't know if it, if it was my mindset or if it actually was the reality. But my experience was like, this is the best restaurant experience I have ever had in my life. Oh, like, nice. <laughs> like, it was, you know, it was just... The food was so good. The the wait staff, you know, was amazing. Like Eli was all, you know, obviously great, but the wait staff and just the fact that like my family and you know some friends will tease me about my asking staff about their recommendations at restaurants. Yeah. Um but the reason I do it is cuz I don't I don't always know Yeah, cuz you're not, not the expert. I'm not picky. 
so yeah. I like most things. And so I also just want to know like, well, what's good here? Why do people come here? What are you known for? And sometimes like sometimes the staff in different places is not very good at answering that question at FEMA's they were just, you know, they were really good at all of that and could just yep. help you kind of like, well, you know, you might like this or you might like this. And then if you're kind of hemming and hawing, they could like kind of help you get there, you know, with an answer and then, um, you know, kind of pairing that with, you know, different, different drinks or suggesting different appetizers and stuff. And, yeah, it's not like, I mean, if you're just trying to like, you know, get in and eat a meal and get out the door with like a small, you know, for a small uh, budget or whatever, mm -hmm. that's not the kind of experience that you want. But like, you know, if you know you're going out for a nice dinner, like that's what I want. Like, I know within a reason. You to be taken where, care of, yeah. yeah I know it's going to be, you know, a, uh, a fancy experience or, or whatever, not fancy, but um but that's what I want. Like, I don't want to just be like left there. But at the same time, they were also good at kind of like, then like leaving to like, let you have conversation at your table. So you didn't feel yes, like, you were yes, bothered, yep. but it was just like, I don't know if they're like, you know, trained to be kind of watching for, you know, they, they weren't interrupting us that, you know, but then they would pop in just to like, make sure that things were taken care of. And then like, even the suggestion of like, right you know, we ordered some appetizer thing and the, uh, the other guy, the waiter who was working with us, you know, he was like, he's like, you Johnny. might, uh, he's like, yeah, you might, you might want another one. You guys are going to, you know, be happy to get another. Yeah. And he was totally right. Like, it doesn't seem like it takes that much work to make that suggestion, but I feel like there have been experiences that I've had where you don't get that, where, you know, you, you order something, it comes out and you're like, Oh, I didn't realize that was two mushrooms, you know, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And it's like, well, the, the waiter could tell you that, you know, or just like, let you know, may, you know, help yeah. your experience be better. Or so, where, where else did we go? We went to that seafood place and we ordered like four oysters or whatever. And we're like, Oh, these are single oysters. <laughs> yeah. Like we did, we did not know that. Well, Case in point, that that place, I I don't know why. It was good food, but service was terrible yeah. the two times we were there. We were like, we were there ready to, you know, we were there with our client and like on a job or whatever. So like we were ready to like have a big meal and spend a fair amount on the dinner and appetizers and drinks and stuff. And we couldn't even... I mean, we couldn't even give them money to get more stuff. You know, it wasn't right. like we were being problematic, like customers. We just were like, I would, I need another drink and, and I would order more appetizers and I would order another thing here and whatever. Yeah. But they're just not, yeah, they're not, they're upholding their part of it. Like the formal service, they, they didn't have that. They didn't, they didn't even have the informal relation or I, should have written that down. It was sort of, it was yeah. sort of formal service, maybe. Um, it kind of like a twenty-minute period when no one checked back in with well, us. Not good, not good service, but it, <laughs> it was like the kind of like it, they kind of had that air about the restaurant of it being upscale, but you didn't yeah. feel like they were really, they weren't paying attention to you. You know, certainly right, not right, that. Exactly. Like, 
Yep. Good times. Thanks for sharing your experience of that story. <laughs> um, let's see. I don't think I have any emails. It's, it's some somewhere in my phone. I have a text. Yeah, he just he just uh, he went outside and he he must have uh, vanished. Don't know where he was going. I mean, it's a mystery because. He was walking around <laughs> with his yeah. phone. And well, I thought, I thought it was like, oh, crap, my phone's going to die. Oh, I, let's yeah. see. I, I got him in here. Let's let's text him real quick. Who's on the, Otherwise, uh, we can wrap who's it on up. the stream right now. Any guesses? Any guesses to where where Eli went? <laughs> we'll see if if, if we get a, a winning guess. I don't the know. The joy of live stream. I don't know what you win. There we go. Okay. Oh, Carolyn actually said we could take bets on what happened to Eli. Because of the delay, she might have submitted that before you. That's possible. Yeah. So she had the same idea. Um, let's see momentarily here. If uh, there it is fire in the kitchen, she says. Apparently, Ooh. though, the fire in the kitchen means that, okay, was he evacuating? because <laughs> he went outside helping everyone get out yeah he went outside I, at first I was going to say apparently the kitchen's outside if the fire in the kitchen but I suppose maybe he wasn't running toward the fire as I assume a mater d would do <laughs> these are great <laughs> let's get these going alright we could take bets on what happened to Eli fire in the kitchen as John just elucidated on. There's, I did. Uh, she scooped John. And maybe there's a cognac yeah. <laughs> emergency. Yeah. I guess texting him is not great if his phone's dead. <laughs> yeah. We're, uh, there's a fire. If there's a if there's a fire, she said, save the Pierre Ferrand. Yeah. Is that how you spell that? Oh yeah. She Caroline. looked it up, I think. So she's a speller. Yeah. She's gonna Yeah. She found it on Total Wine. This you know what it is, is like this podcast is like us with our guests and often struggling with technology. And then there's a another like unseen guest, and it's Carolyn. <laughs> yes, she she's our co-host. She's our digital co-host. Actually, she's probably like a producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll have to give Eli crap too. Rob texted me. Uh we bought that bottle of cognac. So I feel like he yeah. own owes us a bottle of cognac. <laughs> yeah. Well, he said he gave us one. And then we mentioned it was at total total line and he said, Oh yeah, you can get it there and I won't uh upcharge you, whatever. So yeah. he did mention that. Uh yeah. Here we go. So many comments from Carolyn. Thank you. If there's a fire, save the Pierre Ferrand. I know, French, bro. This is entertaining. Well, French food and beverages. Wee <laughs> wee. Oui, oui. Yo, Tambien. Uh, heck yeah, man. Don't know what that was in regards to. All right. I think that's it. I think we did it for today. We vamped yeah. long enough. Yeah, Carolyn so. is done with us. <laughs> this will be in the full podcast, so we'll get all these episodes as a podcast. So 
Thank you if you're listening to the podcast for our nonsense. Um, we'll have to get Eli back when technology is working better. Uh, Carolyn says, me, your perskewer. Yeah, forget what I said about being a good speller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, she's our Facebook producer. Thanks, Carolyn, for tuning in. And the, the one other viewer, potentially Amanda. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, thank you for listening at home. Let's see. I got, I've got some graphics here. Uh, here we go. So coming up uh, next week, Carolyn, you could tell me this too. I, I have it in my list, but I believe we got Father John Putzer and Carolyn Averill. Um, at some point, we're going to get you a smoking jacket, a you know five timers club, because you're going to be the first to hit that. So we're hanging out with our favorite uh, papal nuncio. I think I... I think we sent her a thing to Father Putzer and I haven't seen it. Emily probably has it of like, what is your actual title? Because his actual title on the website is kind of difficult to put in the lower third. So uh, that'd be good to know. Father Putzer, Carolyn Averill next week. The following week. Haha, <laughs> no. I don't know what that's in response to. He's not. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Papal Nuncio. Uh it's something, something to the to the papal nuncio, right? Yeah, secretary, assistant yeah. or assistant to uh, under secretary to the papal nuncio. Let's see. Oh, Carolyn's not texting me. Monica is secretary, but it's also like a Italian title. Is Monica so, texting you? Translation. So clearly, you're done with work for the day. How about you? Yeah, <laughs> you're not doing anything useful. Come help me in the kitchen. We're. Uh, Oh, she was watching the live stream. She so she met Eli and had a fun time and she's like, "I get the bromance. He's kind of like you." Also, I <laughs> wanted to ask Eli about his hair cuz his his photo, I don't know if I can pull up his photo. Uh, just super curly hair, and I feel like we kind of look alike. Um, I I believe he he's got Jewish heritage and I've gotten people confused like are you Jewish? Like people have literally asked me that because I do have curly hair, sometimes more curly than this. I've got a good Roman or Jewish uh, profile here. So I wanted to know about his hair, but he gone. I don't think he's, he's jumping back on. Um, but okay. Father puts her Carolyn next week. Father Scott Jablonski and Mark Ladonio the following week. It's like the two weeks of fathers. That'll be, that'll be fun and chill. And then after that, the Hoffmans. So Brent's been on, but his wife will be joining us because they're both entrepreneurs. Uh, and that'll be a blast. Um, Carolyn says next week we'll have some office jokes. He won't get them, but I'll love it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Putzer won't get that he's the uh, what assistant, assistant secretary, assistant to the papal nuncio. That'll be great. All right. What do you got, John? I'm I'm wind I've wound down. Go to FEMA's, ask for Eli. <laughs> Go to FEMA's, ask for Eli. Tell them we sent you. Tell them backflip Ryan and John sent you. Um, it's up in. Did he say St. No, they're Minneapolis. Yeah. Emily's in St. Paul, but FEMA's is in Minneapolis. So check them out. They're amazing. It's an awesome experience. I'll throw his name up there again. Uh, John said it was the best experience he'd ever had at a restaurant. I concur with John. 
So much so that the following weekend, I brought my entire family to Minneapolis to do some fun stuff, go to some fun restaurants in the Mall of America and go to FEMA's. So you definitely got to do that. Thanks, John. Thanks, Eli. We miss you, dude. We'll get (laughs) you back on. (laughs) Wherever you may be, tune in next week for uh, Father Putzer and Carolyn. And that's all we got.